KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, March 16th. How the pandemic has changed healthcare. We'll have that next. But first, let's do the headlines. Scripps Health says the Del Mar Fairgrounds vaccination superstation will close again this week due to a vaccine shortage. They'll be closed on Wednesday, Friday and Saturday. Meanwhile, a new vaccination site is opening up in Oceanside today at the North Coastal Health and Human Services facility. Also, UC San Diego says it will close the Petco Park vaccination superstation permanently after this Saturday to make way for baseball. UCSD says it will prioritize getting everyone their second dose of vaccine before the station closes. Three people were killed and six injured on Monday after a man drove a car into a homeless encampment near San Diego City College. All of the victims appear to be homeless. Mayor Todd Gloria says the rain pushed people to take shelter under the bridge, making the crash worse. This crash this morning did not have to be so devastating. Let me state it very clearly. A street is not a home. It's not humane or safe to keep allowing our unsheltered neighbors to sleep under bridges in alleys or in canyons. We must take decisive action to provide more compassionate solutions for people experiencing homelessness. The 71-year-old driver, Craig Voss, was arrested and charged with vehicular manslaughter and a felony DUI, among other charges. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. It's been just over a year since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. Few could have imagined the toll the virus would take. More than two and a half million people have lost their lives across the world, nearly 530,000 here in the United States. Healthcare systems everywhere continue to be faced with enormous challenges. As part of our series, Pandemic Life One Year On, KPBS reporter John Carroll looks at the impact on San Diego County's healthcare providers. They are the places we go when we're sick. From broken bones to heart attacks, hospitals and the healthcare professionals that work in them are always ready, 24-7, to help restore us to health. But last spring, a new challenge emerged, a novel coronavirus. Novel, new, something that outside of research labs no one had ever seen before. It got our attention big time when um, it was announced that the U.S. refugees were going to be flown uh, from Wuhan, China to Myanmar uh, Air Station. That was February 7th of last year. Scripps Health President and CEO Chris Van Gorder realized back then his institution would play an important role in what was to come. At that point, there were 76,000 cases of COVID-19 worldwide. 
more than 2,100 deaths. Shortly thereafter, actually, it was March 9th. Early on, the CDC was telling Americans not to buy N95 masks or the surgical ones that have now become so familiar. The concern being there wouldn't be enough for doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. That guidance from the CDC didn't change until April, when the agency recommended people start wearing cloth facial coverings. The WHO eventually followed suit in June. Even after all that, the President of the United States refused to wear a mask in public. Here in San Diego, Brett McLean was just beginning his job as Chief Operating Officer of Sharp Healthcare. We have a committee uh, called the HID, Highly Infectious Disease Committee. McLean says in late February, the committee began meeting every day, constantly assessing the fluid situation. Throughout the entire pandemic, we dealt with all the things around, you know, the right medications and, you know, vent utilization and staffing. As a sign of just how much things have improved, that committee is now meeting once every two weeks. For the majority of this pandemic, masking, hand washing, and physical distancing were all we had to prevent getting infected. But then came the vaccines. Important work on the science behind them was done right here with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine tested in National City. Now the vaccine supply is rising fast. President Biden said in his address to the nation last week that every American adult will be eligible to get a vaccine by May 1st. The president said every adult who wants a vaccine should be able to have gotten one by the end of May. But the challenge has been to get those vaccines into people's arms. San Diego County has opened vaccination pods and superstations throughout the region, but the vaccination program has been disrupted by problems ranging from difficulties in getting appointments to vaccine shortages to the weather forcing shutdowns. Late last month, the state designated Blue Shield to transition the state's existing provider network to a new enhanced network, which is supposed to take the amount of vaccines administered per week from 1 to 4 million by the end of March. Chris Van Gorder says things are not going well so far, and that's caused problems for them at their Del Mar super site. It's the most flawed supply chain process I've ever seen. We have no idea how much we're going to get any, any particular week. Still, COVID has brought some silver linings to healthcare. We know a lot more about how to treat it now than a year ago. And innovations made necessary by the pandemic are likely to have a lasting positive impact. Up until the pandemic started, we had maybe done a half a dozen or two dozen telemedicine visits. And literally, uh, we were doing tens of thousands of telemedicine visits within weeks. So now, a year later, what a difference 365 days or so make. The vaccine supply is ramping up fast. And what everyone from the president on down to local health care folks are hoping for pleading with all of us to do is stick with the non-medicinal safety measures. Different paths forged together to finally get us all out of this once-in-a-century collective crisis. And that was KPBS's John Carroll. We continue our series speaking with small business owners who were heavily impacted by the pandemic. Today, we hear from Maribel Estrada, who is struggling to keep her City Heights restaurant, El Toro Grill Taqueria, open. Our family from our side, from my mom's side, cousins and um, relatives has restaurants. So I grew up in restaurants. But my husband's side, they have one in Cuernavaca. So when we got married, then after that, we got we decided to open one as a family, as our own business. 
but it's basically his recipes what from his side of Morelos because I'm from Michoacan so it's, it's they cook differently a little bit so it's more like his style of food because we wanted to be different you know uh, that's a lot of Mexican people there's a lot of people from Michoacan already they own restaurants our theme is not being a taco shop it's been more as Mexican food fresh food they're regular customers and they were asking me when are you guys gonna open I was like I don't know we don't know yet because we keep being back and forth you know open inside have them close it down make them people eat outside and then they close down again right now we're not thinking about making profit we're thinking about keep the restaurant open you know survive uh, to have our business going on because it hurts a lot if we close down the business my husband and i we work all day long and it's not that bad on work so it's because we don't have a lot of business so we can handle it and be you know here six days a week because we close uh, on mondays 70 percent or more it's down on our business we're barely making it to pay all you know all bills this is basically our own income for our own family uh, keep the business go, going up for them, you know. Instead of going to another place and work, we want you to stay here and work, you know, with your own business. So I have two boys to grow, so that's my main thing is to keep going, grow up the, the business, you know, so they can stay and they can work in there and they later on they can manage the business, you know. I know it's difficult for restaurants, and I know a lot of people, they get in um, close, they have to close down their business and I feel bad for them. The good thing with us is we still surviving. You, we still getting customers at least to keep us open. That story was produced by KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser and video journalists Nick McVicker and Christopher Maui. Coming up, fewer than 1% of San Diego's inmates have been vaccinated against COVID-19. We'll have that story and more local news next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Fewer than 1% of those incarcerated in San Diego County jails have been vaccinated against COVID-19. Jail staff have been vaccinated at a much higher rate. iNewsource investigative reporter Mary Plummer has more. Just 26 inmates have received at least one dose of the vaccine. The daily population in county jails is about 4,000. That's according to Sheriff's Department data provided last week. But nearly a quarter of employees have been vaccinated. 
The numbers alarm advocates who say infection rates are higher for those living in jail settings. Here's Wanda Bertram of the Prison Policy Initiative. There's really no reason to be prioritizing corrections staff. Under new state guidance, vaccine access to people in jail will expand starting today. That was iNewsource investigative reporter Mary Plummer. iNewsource reporter Jill Castellano also co-reported this story. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. On Monday, a San Diego Superior Court judge ruled in favor of a group of North County parents who sued the state in order to reopen schools for in-person learning. The suit alleges that the state's pandemic-related rules unfairly interfered with local districts' plans to reopen. The temporary restraining order prohibits the state from enforcing provisions that keep schools closed while case rates remain high. The school districts involved include Carlsbad, Poway, Oceanside, San Marcos, Vista, and San Diego. In Carlsbad, the empty halls of local schools will once again be filled with students starting this week. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us what students can expect. Carlsbad Unified has gotten the green light to welcome students back to classrooms. Starting Monday, groups of middle and high schoolers will be able to return to school campuses two days a week. Devika Blossi, the mom of a middle schooler at Valley Middle School, says even this limited hybrid schedule brings some relief. I'm not a teacher and I can't replace what he's missing by being in a classroom with a, with a teacher who can give the proper instruction. Um, and then, you know, just that, that social piece. Students will be allowed on campus in two groups. One group will meet on Monday and Tuesdays, while the other meets Thursdays and Fridays. Schools will continue enforcing the use of face coverings and social distancing. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. More help is on the way to protect vulnerable residents struggling with the effects of the pandemic. The city's Housing Stability Assistance Program was launched on Monday to dole out more than $83 million in rent relief. Here's San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria. This program won't just help tenants. It will also help the many small landlords who depend on rental income to pay their bills. This assistance program goes hand in hand with our city's eviction moratorium. Qualified low-income San Diego tenants will get help with past-due rent, utilities, and internet service. The application period opened this week, and applications can be found at covidassistance.sdhc.org. And before I let you go... The pandemic has turned everyone's lives upside down. But now, as more people get vaccinated every day, there's hope that we could eventually go back to doing the things we used to do. We talked to some people around San Diego to find out what they're looking forward to once the pandemic is over. Here's what some of them had to say. My name is Catherine Garcia. I live in San Diego, California. And the one thing I can't wait to do once the pandemic is over is going to a concert again and feeling the energy of being in a sweaty crowd, all connected by the music that we love. Hi, my name is Carla Beltran and I live in San Isidro, uh, California. And um, what I'm most excited about when it comes to this pandemic after it's over is Uh, traveling. I love to travel and um, I'm looking forward to maybe getting on an airplane and going somewhere far, um, maybe like to Europe 
And one of the places I'd really love to visit is uh, Switzerland. So maybe, maybe I'll get to do that after this is all over. Hi, my name is Florizel Yasuhara, and I live in San Diego, California, in the Claremont community area. And what I'd really love to do when this pandemic is over is share a bowl of bright green tea with my friends. And this is something that we haven't had a chance to do since last March. And we really miss one another. We see each other virtually on Zoom, but it's just not the same. Hi, I'm Kevin Davis. I live in North Park in San Diego. The first thing I want to do after the pandemic is over is travel to get out of the house. I like to visit friends and family in Tucson, in Denver, Victoria in British Columbia, New York City and that area, Washington DC and Baltimore in that area, and in Florida, Orlando and Fort Lauderdale. And for fun, I'd like to go to Las Vegas maybe or to uh, London in England. Hello, my name is Jeanette Cutchins. I'm from San Diego and Mira Mesa. Before COVID-19 struck, I was traveling a lot. I mean a lot, like three to four times a year, maybe out of the country. And I was dancing a lot. When I wasn't traveling, I was dancing. Or when I'm traveling, I'm dancing. If it's a cruise, I'm dancing in the ship. Um, so after this COVID-19 is done and everyone has been vaccinated, hopefully, and we're all safe to go out. I would like to go back to that again, to travel and to dance. And that piece was produced by Emlyn Mohebi. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more on the latest online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.